So what if I told you every phone call you make is helping to fund progressive causes and politicians like Planned Parenthood and Hillary Clinton? You'd probably stop making phone calls, right? Well, the fact is your current phone carrier is using your money to undermine your belief. So what's a patriot like you to do? Patriot Mobile offers nationwide talk and text, competitive prices, and donates up to 5% of your monthly bill to a conservative organization of your choice. Mention promo code Steve at checkout and receive $35 in free activation fees for up to two lines. Call 1-800-PATRIOT or go to PatriotMobile.com. Mention promo code Steve. We've got some big news to tell you about from our partners at Conservative Review. Coming this December, it's CRTV, a brand new commercial-free digital network featuring Mark Levin, Michelle Malkin, and Mark Stein. You get all of this content anywhere you go, your laptop, tablet, cell phone, or even on Roku or Apple TV, and you can have all of this programming for a year for only $89 if you sign up before December 1st at CRTV.com. But to get that special price, you've got to use my name at the checkout, Dace. That's D-E-A-C-E. So go to CRTV.com and sign up today. Levin, Malkin, Stein, all for $89 a year. If you go to CRTV.com today and use the promo code DACE. You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker, that is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And we're back with more of the Steve Day Show on a Friday night as we get going for the weekend. Hopefully you didn't miss us the last 21 hours. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. I don't know where to begin this evening, but I am I am angry. I am angry because I, I thought we were better than this. But apparently we are not. For the last couple of days, some good people, people I admire, have been all over the mainstream media putting out statements, some of which I've retweeted, shared with our own audience here. Putting out statements, writing columns, demanding the obviously biased liberal media do their job and stop ignoring the bombshell scoop Brett Baer of Fox News put on the air earlier this week. That Hillary Clinton or somebody connected with the investigation into her use of private email servers could be facing indictment. We all heard those terms bandied about, right? That was the dominant meme on, on, on righty Twitter for the last 72 hours. And then earlier today on Fox News, Brett Baer went before the cameras and said this. I explained a couple of times yesterday the phrasing of one of my answers to Britt Hume on Wednesday night, saying it was inartful. 
the way I answered the last question about whether the investigations would continue after the election. And I answered that, yes, our sources said it would. They would continue to likely an indictment. Well, that just wasn't inartful. It was a mistake. And for that, I'm sorry. I should have said they will continue to build their case. So in other words, we were wrong. Except we weren't. That's what makes this so inexcusable. Bear's report was damning enough. And he goes on to say later on, on in, 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 the, in, in the portion of the clip you just heard, the rest of their story, they stand by all the sourcing that they have been given. That should have been enough. But it's not for us. It's not enough. It's not enough to chant lock her up. Earlier today in New Hampshire, they were chanting executor. The truth should be enough. Except it's not. We don't want, the truth isn't sufficient. We want salacious. We want our ears scratched. We want our bellies tickled. We want to be told what we want to be told. And so... The story for the last 72 hours was not Brett Baer's sources at Fox News indicate investigations of Hillary will go on well past the election. Was that the story we were all told? No. But that was the majority. That was the meat of the majority of his story. But that is not the meme that we passed out, was it? Oh, no. The indictment word. That's what we wanted to hear. So ready, fire, aim. And now we look like clowns. And if there's one group of people I hate giving the moral high ground to, it's the liberal media. But you just did. You just did. I wish I could tell you this was a one-off. Except I woke up this morning to what was trending. Did you guys see this? Spirit dinners was, was trending because Hillary Clinton or John Podesta or Satanists or something or other. Um... Katie Pavlich at townhall.com pointed out today that what was published by WikiLeaks, the spirit cooking reference taken totally out of context. First of all, the emails offer no proof that John Podesta Clinton's conciliary even attended. It was a reference to his brother, Tony, and the dinner was about a cookbook and weird art. Not devil worship. But this was my timeline. First thing I saw this morning. Full of right-wing memes about Hillary and satanic and devil worshiping. Why isn't the truth enough for you? Why isn't it enough for us? Do you know how badly we damage our own cause when we do this? Look at all the people that die around the Clintons. If Hillary doesn't win the presidency on Tuesday, it's pretty much all going to be Anthony Weiner's fault. Why is he still alive then? I mean, seriously. What the hell is wrong with you people? I didn't sign up for this. I'm not doing this. Okay? It's the second night I've had to say that this week. I'm not doing this. If she becomes president, I'm not doing that radio. 
Because I don't have to. The truth will be enough. There will be plenty of substantive things that are verifiable and provable. We won't have to make stuff up. So why do we? See, that's a character flaw. And that's our own character that's flawed in this case. Stop it. Our movement is very sick. Stop reading Prison Planet, Infowars, lay off the drudge. Crack a Bible open at least for 10 minutes for every three hours you watch Fox. As William Shatner once said on Saturday Night Live, get a life. We have got to be better than this. I expect pagans to pagan. That's not even... I wait. <laughs> On a normal day, Mike Huckabee believing the good spin to get you to vote for Trump is calling him a, tr- a train wreck. That's what he said. Did you guys see that earlier today? No. Yeah, Huckabee... Well, you know, Trump may be a train wreck, but Hillary's driving the wrong way on the freeway. At least Trump's on the right side of the road. Vote for a train wreck? What? He must have given some fascinating car wreck. I'm sorry, not train wreck, car wreck. I I, I just stop it. Just stop it. What is known about this woman and her beliefs and her record and her associations is bad enough. Why do we have to do this? Why? Similar to, why do we have to say things like, Trump has the character of God. He is God's anointed. As opposed to, listen, man, I'm just going to vote for the person who's got the best chance of saving me from this gal. Because I know what she's going to do. Okay, I get nothing wrong with that. Why? Why is th- That is the truth, too. He is the person that has the best chance of defeating her. Why is the truth not enough for you? Why is it not enough for us? Do you know the damage you are doing to our integrity and credibility beyond this election with this stuff? And the prison planets and the Infowars and the Breitbarts and the Drudges will continue to serve this up to you if it is what you want. Because they've baited you to click on it. Do you know the cow we would be having right now if the shoe was on the other foot and the other side had run with a meme against one of our guys that was totally disprovable? I do know what would happen. It's called Dan Rather 2004 election when he tried to claim that George W. Bush never really served and was a draft dodger. You remember that, Don? I do. Yeah, he never really served in the Air Civil Command down there in Texas. I remember, this was before Twitter, Facebook, we just had talk radio and Fox. Folks went to war. Dan Rather's career has never recovered. What channel is he on in the 300s on DirecTV now? He's never recovered from this. Do you know what would happen happen in this age of social media with the amount of media and clicks we have at our disposal? We would disembowel, and rightfully so, we would disembowel such such a hack. But yet a lot of you will continue to share the story. Yeah, Hillary's going to be indicted. Podesta went to some satanic dinner that he actually didn't go to. Because, you know, we got nothing else on John Podesta, right? We don't have him doing anything else nefarious. So we've got to make stuff up. 
I know he loves Catholics. <laughs> Stop it. You're killing us. You're killing yourself. You're killing your children's future with this stuff. Elections come and they go, Hobbs. But integrity, you only get one crack at forever. You're listening to Steve Dace. conservatives can win again the steve day show there is something i saw your predecessor in that position uh, aaron rebecca tweeted this out earlier today mm-hmm. from a blog called collision of church and state and my goodness it is painful to read this and funny at the same time it is called trust the lord with most your heart and lean on your own understanding it is a paraphrase of the author who wrote this okay here it is mary beth glenn is her name i want to make sure she gets credit she has written a biting satire of every why I'm a Christian and I'm voting for Trump column she's ever read. I've reached the understanding that this election is a binary choice and standing against evil isn't an option. Oh, how my heart aches for my country constantly clinging to that which is evil, lowering standards with little regard for God's word. To the point that I am forced to lower my own standards, not because I have little regard for God's word or the trust he has earned, but because I love God's word and trust him completely, and I'll explain how that works some other time unless I conveniently forget. So here, my brothers and sisters in Christ, are the carefully thought-out reasons why I'm voting for Trump. Hillary must never, ever be president. We can't put something that horrifyingly big on God's shoulders. The future of America takes precedence over our faithfulness, and quite frankly, sometimes standing for what is right is not optimal. Sometimes being faithful despite our fears isn't an option. I mean, sure, it's an option, but ask yourself, what would Moses' other ten scouts do? Hillary is really, really bad, guys. I mean it. She's the worst. Abortion is one of the most important reasons why we must vote for Trump. I have a pro-life bumper sticker, and I mean it. Yes, I've thought about the possible victims of Trump's war crime stance, the refugees, Muslims, immigrants, and the possibility of an all-out war, and the millions of lives threatened by an egomaniac with his finger on the nuclear button. But after much introspection, I've found that those lives aren't as important as the unborn. On a scale of 1 to 10, they're like a 6. Well, maybe the kids are more like a 6.5, I suppose. Like, they're below those who have to pay increased Obamacare premiums, but like above bakeries that are forced to make homosexual wedding cakes. No, wait, reverse those. I really like Mike Pence, and I feel like if I drink multiple bottles of communion wine until I pass out, I can dream that he's the actual president and that his likability matters and all. I really hope Trump hires the best people, and I find that hope when I read Psalm 3, something, something. It doesn't really relate to this issue, but if I think about him hiring the best people while I read it, I feel good about myself. The people want Trump, and you should read 1 Samuel chapters 8 through 12, riveting story. The people were wrong for demanding Saul, and they were commanded to turn back to the Lord instead. God was, God was all, give them what they want, and that's what Samuel did. So I'm just learning from that lesson found in the story and embracing the wrong, just like the people who didn't turn back to the Lord when they were commanded. Wait, no, I'm Samuel, or am I Saul? No, Trump's Saul, right? I'm, wait, no, ignore this story. It has nothing to do with my choice. 
Hillary could do unconstitutional stuff. Survival is the most important issue, and we must be faithful unless we're really scared. I mean, look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's imperative that the Republican platform is upheld. By the way, isn't Jeremiah 29, 11 a nice verse? We've talked before about how every every high school Christian high school graduation has this verse, but it is nestled behind God talking about judgment and punishment for disobeying him, for doing things like this. And then, you know, just because he doesn't want your spirit crushed, God puts that in to say, hey, remind in the end, in the end, you know, I am still God. I still love you. But then after I'm done punishing you, good things will happen. But we totally forget about the punishment part and just give you the, the good things will happen stuff. It's imperative that we show the world how dedicated we are to the Lord's word by pretending it doesn't exist just this once. These are brutal. We must show the victims of sexual assault that it is the people of Christ who are willing to elect the men who attack them. We must show the orphan that it is God's children who are willing to leave them in ruins because, well, the other options are kind of scary. We must show minorities that the hands and feet of Christ are willing to slap and kick them if standing up for the innocents threatens to interfere with our gun rights. So I ask my readers to stand firm in your faith and put all your fears in the hands of the Savior. Stand against what is evil. Stand up for the innocent and trust in God. Unless times like this come along, you know, unless Hillary Clinton is running for president, if that happens, by all means, sacrifice your obedience to him. Forget about Trump's past victims and potential future victims and give in to fear. It's the only option that we have. You can trust me on this. I have ichthus on my family sedan. This is brutal. (laughs) This is brutal. My friends and trusted readers, we can't do what's right and expect God to be faithful in his promises because that would be simply terrifying. We must act out of fear knowing that if we're wrong, God will still forgive us anyway. Unfortunately... When the Bible talks about do not fear, it has nothing to do with you. When you're faced with two evils and you should pick one, you should be afraid and discouraged in your stance against wickedness. Go out and take a side with one of the evils because living under Hillary's reign of terror will be the worst. Seriously, like the worst ever. I mean, probably worse than any challenge anyone in the Bible has ever faced in a test of faith. So God will totally understand your predicament. Gentlemen, your thoughts on this. Uh, it's perfect. It's just, it's absolutely perfect. Especially at the end. Now, what is better, Aaron, that or the Babylon Bee headline I posted earlier today? Kenneth Copeland in a real pickle after audience member names and claims his own private jet. Yes. What do you think is yes. better? Yes. That's that? my answer. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, my. I mean, this is, what would we do? Seriously. What would we do without this type of writing during this year i mean what what would we do i'd be down a lot more veins i'll tell you that (laughs) yes i'd be down a lot more veins todd your thoughts we are a farce we are a joke we you can't even saturday night live only can go so far to get at how absurd we have become I, i the number of conversations i have been in just within the last two weeks that resemble this column is so we putting the left aside it is so breathtakingly sad in those real life moments it is it, it is tragic that we are so easily forsaking 
our birthright for this piece of garbage. I wouldn't have believed it in a million years. And it's one of the most important lessons I've ever learned in my entire life. I, I knew that this was out there. I mean, somebody's paying these prosperity gospel hacks money. Somebody's sending them cash. Mm-hmm. Somebody's buying their books, right? So I, it, it, somebody's, somebody, somebody is consuming this stuff. But I, I really had no idea, just as I didn't know what, what an alt-right was. I, I really had no idea how pervasive this was. So I knew, I didn't know what the alt-right was until this election. I mean, I'd been on Breitbart Radio as a guest numerous times. I'd even written some columns for them, had them on our show leading in the, in the years leading up to this election. I didn't see any of this stuff. I... I this I knew existed, but it is worse and more pervasive than I thought. We are very sick. We need a soul transplant at worst, a fumigation at best. You're listening to Steve Dace. For Patriots, the Steve Day Show. Mike Whitty is here to take us to the movies on the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. Michael, it is good to see you, my friend. Good to see you. I, I missed last week. You were, I don't know, doing some kind of screen test for The Voice or something. I don't know. I, I don't think I was. I, I don't think I was doing that. Oh. No. So we've got to get caught up on some stuff, right? We do. We've got a ton of stuff on home video, now called On Demand, by the way. It's On Demand. Remember, the consultants I, I just, require us to refer yeah. to it as such. They, they can't require me to do anything. <laughs> they require me to require you. There you go. All right, so let's start with new releases. Uh, where do you want to begin? Uh, let's start with Denial, which is the Rachel Weiss movie about the Holocaust, Holocaust deniers. And she she is a professor, and she is essentially, there is a guy that is a denier of the Holocaust, and he sues her. He does it in England because the laws are not like our laws. You are not presumed innocent over there. You are presumed guilty, and you've got to prove yourself the other way. So he sues so, her. So, so she, can you explain to me, how does an American citizen get sued in England, and why does it matter? Um, do they explain that? I mean, I mean. Well, he he's. Was, do we extradite people for civil you know trials? What? I I'm sure they explained it in the movie. I don't remember. Okay, but uh, I know that she has to travel over there and she has to defend herself, and it's it's a great story, not so much a great movie. Here's my issue with it because I thought Amy and I saw the trailer when we were at the movies a few weeks ago. I thought it it looked interesting, but here's the problem I have with it. How can someone credibly claim it didn't happen? Steve, there's people out there all the time that, that, that claim that. I said credibly. All right. People claim lots of things. All right. 
Bubba claims he got anally probed by Grays in the trailer park last Friday. Okay, that dude with the wild hair claims that all that on the History Channel claims human life came from aliens planting their DNA in our waterways. I mean, people well, claim and, lots and, of things. And there's people. I said, that, I said, how does somebody credibly make this claim? It's we like the global people, warming thing. We hung people for this. How do you deny the global warming thing? Well, actually, that's a totally different <laughs> argument. Actually, but 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 people were hung for this. Okay, I mean, we we have we have the footage of the remains of the bodies we brought out of those buildings, yes, of what we dug up from the ground, yes. All right, the 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 the, the footage of our own soldiers as they walked out of Auschwitz and Dachau for the first time, and and the reaction to what they witnessed there. So, how does somebody credibly claim that this didn't happen? And my fear was, if we went and saw this movie, that would bother me the whole time, and I wouldn't enjoy it. Like, I would think you have to be a racist nitwit that's not even remotely critically thinking to believe that this didn't happen. And they think that, which is why they are sued in the English courts, because then they have to prove that the Holocaust... Because it's easier to be a racist nitwit in England, apparently. Okay. Uh, apparently. Right. it's You know what? It is a great story, and Rachel Weiss is a great actress, but something just didn't click. I think she is actually... Because it is based on a true story. So it's not like they made this up. And I think the woman who who actually had to go undergo this must have been a little bit quirky because Rachel Weiss plays this woman so quirky. It's just like, I I don't know. I, I just couldn't get into it. It's It was interesting. I think if you catch it when it comes out on demand, which is what the uh, people want you to say, uh, you might want to watch it. It's interesting. It's just I, I wouldn't spend money to see it in the theater. What is... Um how many mushroom clouds? Eh, let's give it two and a half. Wow. Then for a movie with that kind of compelling subject matter to only get two and a half from you means it really underperformed as a film. Ah, uh, yes. Right, because, I mean, for you to give like some some <laughs> some rom-com two and a half means you thought it was okay. But if you if, if a guy like you gives a movie you with that kind of sub- rom coms anymore, by the way. Well, the, but if a guy like you gives a movie with that kind of compelling subject matter only two and a half, you're essentially saying. I, I credit for showing up, but you didn't do much else beyond that. Pretty much. Wow. All right. Sorry. What's next? Uh, Jack Reacher Never Go Back, which is essentially what I said after the first movie, um, which I did not like. And I know you did. I The character was weird. Tom Cruise didn't fit for me. So reluctantly, I went to this movie. You didn't like the first one. I I, Amy and I liked the first one quite a bit. Thought it was really underrated. Okay. All right. And have you seen this one? I've not seen this one yet, no. So you didn't like it that much? No, I just haven't got into it yet. Okay. Um, you know what? I like this one a lot. It's it's much cleaner from a story standpoint. Um, he's got a, maybe he's got a daughter, maybe he doesn't have a daughter. This woman that he's been communicating with, who's in the military, uh, is brought up on charges and she's been run out. And Jack has to come in and set some people straight. Let me tell you, nobody sets them straight like Jack. Uh, it's it's really a good movie. It's nice. You like and this clean. one? Yeah, much better than the first one. All right, how many mushroom clouds for what's it called again? Uh, Jack Reacher Never Go Back. How many mushroom clouds? You know, I'm going to give it three and a half, four. All right, we'll come back more with Mike Woody at the movies here in a moment. Listening to Steve Dace.
never attack what you're not willing to kill. This is Steve Dace. All right, Mike Woody is here taking us to the movies on the Steve Dace Show. Powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. All right, just to recap, denial about a British trial, which was a lawsuit between a Holocaust denier and a historian, correct? Correct. And uh, even though this would be a film that you would think would be set up, given the subject matter, time of year, this was set up for award season... You think this movie really underperformed. You only gave it two and a half uh, mushroom clouds, correct? I, I'm fairly certain that it was set up for awards, and it's not going not gonna to get that. All right, so for Woody to give a movie like that two and a half means <laughs> all they did was just uh, completed the film successfully, but it's not that It was good. in color. How's that? <laughs> all right, then you talked about the Jack Reacher uh, sequel, which is, which is subtitled again. No return. Never go back. Never go back. Which I liked the first one. It was an underrated hit. This one hasn't really registered that much at the box office, but you like this one more. I do. And you gave this one a good three and a half mushroom clouds. Exactly. Which for a movie of this you were genre, paying attention. Which for every now and then, which for a movie of this genre means that that you actually thought it was actually pretty good. Very good, Steve. Thank you for translating. All right. I I do think that the audience needs a Woody translator, and that's what I'm here to do. All right. So what's next? All right, uh, Inferno, which is the latest of the uh, Dan Brown, you know, Da Vinci Code series. We've had this is the third movie. I think there's four books, but there's only been three movies so far. Uh, Tom Hanks and Felicity Jones, basically trying to track down a guy who wants to wipe out half of the planet, um, so we can save ourselves. The other half can live well, and he has. There's clues left in in Dante's Inferno and the is it Botticelli, Botticelli, painting yes. of that. Yes. Uh, which the latter you had yet right the second time. Amazingly, Hanks's character, Robert Langston, wakes up in a hospital. He's been grazed by a bullet. He doesn't know where he is, and amazingly, he runs out of the hospital and starts decoding things right away. It's like, all right, come on. Um, it's it's okay. It's the problem with most movie critics is that you go to a movie and you expect greatness every time. You expect Oscar nominations, and this isn't that kind of movie. They're just it's it's Hanks and Ron Howard directing again. Um, they're just trying to make a fun movie, and I think in on What's that level, the Catholic level, Church being blamed for in this one? Uh, I don't think the Catholic Church is being blamed for anything. All right, uh, what what heresy uh, a, is being peddled in this one? Well, we as a as as a world have overpopulated, so we we have one guy who's going to take care. Which of is that. actually not true, as a matter of fact. That's that's actually not true. Well, it's not. It, it's not. It's actually not true. It's not. Okay. In fact, that here in the United States, you're experiencing a demographic winner. In fact. Well, I'm just you're in a negative trend, Steve. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I didn't write the movie. I didn't. Write I know, the book. but that's. I just. I, I just. Again, we need a Woody translator. That's what I do, and that's not true. The, the <laughs> I didn't is, say that. The planet that, is not overpopulated. Dan that, Brown said that. That's what communists think, and heresy peddlers like Dan Brown. Yeah, but it's not true. <laughs> it, this is what I would refer to as a popcorn movie. The, actually, I walked out of the movie theater. It was. It was an older crowd. I mean, even older than me, Steve. Um, wow. And the people coming out of the movie really enjoyed it. So a lot of assisted viewing then? Yes, a lot of assisted living. People on walkers, you know, hearing aids, that kind of stuff. So but they enjoyed it. How, mu- how many mushroom clouds for you know, this rot gut? I'm going to give it a three. <laughs> I'm going to give it a three. 
It might go to a three and a half if you're just out for a fun night in the movies. Okay, what's next? Uh, we got a ton of stuff on demand. You got it right this time, so go ahead. <laughs> Home video. Uh, Lights Out. Did you see Lights Out, the horror film? No, it's in my queue. I have not gotten oh, around to man. seeing it yet. It is a really effective horror It's movie. probably the best-reviewed horror film of the year from what I have seen. Uh, could be. It, it, it was really, I mean, it doesn't translate. Horror films at home aren't the same because you don't have that whole theater and the and the people and everybody The nervous energy you feed off time. of with everybody else. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but it's but it's well worth checking out. Captain Fantastic, this is the Vigo Mortensen film where he plays the hippie living with his wife in the woods. And she, I'm not telling you anything that you don't see from the trailer, she dies. And then he and the kids have to find a way to get to the funeral and, and deal with lots of issues with her parents. Um, pretty good movie. Not a great movie, but uh, it's it's probably worth checking out. Complete Unknown. Here's Rachel Weisz. What does Vigo Mortensen do? Is he one of those guys... You know, I was the I was the Luke Skywalker of the second most famous popular movie trilogy other than Star Wars of all time and now I'm 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 a recluse. I'm going into hiding. I'm doing obscure roles. Is he one of those guys? He is. I think he's got large sums of cash and So he can just kind of pick and choose he, the he stuff he wants when to he do. wants to work yeah. on things that he wants to work on. So okay. I mean, we should all be so lucky. As long as you're not pretentious about it, I totally respect that. And I don't think he's pretentious. Yeah, just at don't all, be though. pretentious about it. I mean, if you're at the point now where you're like, you know what, man, like if you're like, if you don't want to go the route Mar- Mariah Carey's going, where you know I, I'm auto tuning songs now, okay, for money. I mean, if if, you, if the when I was once a, a prodigy singer, if you're like, you know what, I made my bones, I made my cash, and now I just kind of want to do stuff that speaks to me artistically. I can totally respect that. Just don't be pretentious about it, right? Okay. Okay. I'll, uh, if I ever run into Vigo, I will tell him that he's Please so pass far the, will doing you, a pretty good because job. Because the last time I asked you to pass along a message to Vigo Mortensen, I know you did not. So by all means, please do so this time. I just forgot. All right, so we got that. We've got uh, Complete Unknown, which is a weird movie with Rachel Weisz, who plays this woman who changes identities and goes back to visit an old boyfriend. Uh, you can probably skip that one. As you can skip Papa Hemingway. Not a good month for Rachel Weiss is what you're telling us. Not a good month for she her. Needs to, she, needs to, she needs to graduate from the Nick Cage School of Script Selection. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I'm a huge Hemingway fan, so when I see Papa you know, Hemingway in Cuba, I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be... Uh, it's not. Did you see Nick so Cage, by the way, turn down Disney and Marvel's offer to play Ghost Rider on the um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. television show? Well, I can see him doing that. Because you're right. Because that might be something people would watch and would like. And that he's just not into that these days. He doesn't care. I think that's fairly obvious. <laughs> I mean, I, the thing is, though, he's not... He's not the, the danger... You, Nick Cage needs some sanctimony. Uh, he needs more. Uh, because the, the opposite of sanctimonious <laughs> apparently is desperate. Um, I mean, the, the roles... His role selection... If, if, if he were trying to tank his career, what choice, what different choices would he be making right now? I think he's making the perfect choices if that's what he's trying to do. Are you done? Are you good? Uh, we got two more. We got Bad Moms, which, eh, and the Star Trek, the new Star Trek. All right, we'll talk the new Star Trek movie when we come back. All right. You're listening to Steve Dace.
hoisting them by their own petards. The Steve Day Show. All right, back here one final time with Mike Woody at the movies. One last film out on demand we're going to discuss, Mike, and that is Star Trek Beyond, which was the movie that was put together in honor of the 50th anniversary year of Star Trek this summer. It was uh, directed by a member of the cast, right? Yep. And um, and, and this was supposedly uh, to actually put them out doing space exploration Unlike the previous two films where they spent a, a lot of time on the ship and, you know, the first film, which is great. Uh, the reboot is a tremendous film. The second one, actually, I watched it again recently, a couple of months ago, and I I liked it a lot more than what I liked it at the time. Who directed those two? Um, that would be J.J. Abrams. Oh, okay. And uh, my, I guess maybe the issue I have with the second one is my love of the original Wrath of Khan is so overwhelming, I just... I needed more time in distance. You know what I'm saying? That was a mistake. Yeah, you, I, don't, you don't I, do the Wrath of Khan. Yeah, I think that that just I just I, I I couldn't quite process it. But now that I've watched it again recently, it it wears actually pretty well. I didn't really like this movie at all. It's just I, okay, it, it, and that's what I mean when I say. So just like we said with for Mike with a drama awards film and only gets two and a half, that's not good. <laughs> for me, if I'm if I'm telling you I don't like a sci-fi movie at all, it means that I did like it, but I wanted it to be great and it was not, and it's just okay. Particularly and if it's of the Star Wars or Star Trek this genre. Again? Uh, oh. Member of the cast. Yeah. Uh, Simon uh, Peek, right? Yeah. He directed it. Not J.J. Abrams. Not J.J. J. Abrams. Okay. Abrams. And you see it? Uh, well, this one, where, 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 where was the space exploration? They spend most of it on a planet. I don't, who cares about the planet? Who Nobody. Knows? Nobody does. Also, stop me if you've heard this one before. In the Star Trek reboot films, the villain is a guy that was done wrong by the military, and now he wants revenge. Hmm. Because that's been the villain in every Star Trek reboot movie. That was who Eric Bana played in the first film. Uh, that is who B- Benedict Cumberbatch played in the second film. And that is who, uh, what's his uh, name? Idris Elba. Yeah, th- thank you. That's who he plays in this film. Why so would they, why'd they do the same villain three movies in a row? They went to the well too often. You think? Water was dry. Yeah, I, it you've, was you've, good. You've, you've rebooted a whole timeline with an infinite universe out there to draw on a canvas, and you give me the same villain three times in a row, and most of the movie takes place on a planet that really has no connection to Star Trek canon whatsoever. What was the point? It's a long version of one of the TV, I agree. TV episodes. I agree. Which isn't bad. It's just, But it's not it the 50th anniversary more. Star Trek film. Exactly. It's like Star Trek Insurrection or one of those in-between movies they made to tide you over between a Wrath of Khan and a First Contact or a, or a, or a final or, or you know, a, 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 the Undiscovered Country. You know, the really good Star Trek movies. Let's move on. Are you going to go see Doctor Strange this weekend? You betcha. I'm getting it looks the movies, really good. I'm getting the movies twice this weekend. Doctor Strange will be a You're uh, going be out in public movie twice? Night. And, then, uh, my, and then Amy and I at some point this weekend will go see Hacksaw Ridge. Because that trailer just crushes me every time I see it. I've been I've been anxious to see that one. So it's supposed to be really violent, so be careful. So we'll see you next week, my friend. Yep. All right, the Day Screw Brown Table is next. You're listening to Steve Dace.
are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker, that is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And we're back with Hour 2 here on the Steve Day Show on a Friday night. You know what that means. But first, let me remind you that we love to know what you think about what we think. So give us your feedback into the SteveDace.com inbox. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. It's time for the Dace Group. With a tip of the cap and an homage to the late John McLaughlin. This is the Day Group Roundtable, your weekly look at the week that was. Kim is out this week, but we have a more than capable fill-in. Daniel Horowitz is here with us from Conservative Review. Let's get to issue one, the bitter end. Just a few more weary days till November 8th, and we'll find out who's going to be the 45th president of the United States. But not before one last October surprise last Friday, with the revelation Hillary Clinton's email case was being reopened or continued. FBI Director James Comey wrote a letter indicating he and the FBI were looking into upwards of 650,000 emails they hadn't already seen pertaining to Hillary Clinton, thanks to a totally different investigation into former New York Congressman Anthony Weiner's sexting probe. The connection, of course, being Weiner's estranged wife, Uma Abedin, was one of Clinton's top aides. The news was met with actually a surprising amount of hand-wringing from the Clinton campaign and the left. They quickly put out a video from her press secretary, Brian Fallon, trying to quash what had happened. FBI Director James Comey released to Congress an unbelievably vague letter that was light on facts and heavy on innuendo. And it only serves to give Republicans a new line of attack against Hillary Clinton. But the damage had been done despite a shift in narrative by the media to blame the whole thing on James Comey. Donald Trump continued his gains in the polls from last week. Seven days ago, Clinton held a 4.6 point lead in the RCP polling average. Friday morning, a week after the FBI bomb originally dropped, her lead was just 1.7 points. Most of that tightening was due to Trump gaining support and less to do with Clinton losing it, though if you believe the average, she did lose some support. But if you look at the map, Trump's pathway to 270 electoral college votes is incredibly narrow. Nate Silver's 538 puts Clinton's projected electoral college votes at around 296, with Trump's around 241, and Clinton winning the popular vote by 3.3 percentage points, 48.5% to 45.2%. Tuesday can't come and go fast enough. And a lot of um, her lead has been erased by the L.A. Times tracking poll. Yeah. I mean, it is amazing. If you, look, if you take the L.A. Times tracking poll out and you look at the Real Clear Politics polling average, it's a completely different perspective. And, and then juxtapose that, as you pointed out, with the HuffPo, uh, yeah. which doesn't include the L.A. Times and Rasmussen. So. Yeah. All right, Daniel, so let me start with you. The degree to which this race has changed since the end of last week is what, I ask you? It's an absolute game changer, but not in the way people think. Some of the game change was destined to happen no matter what. It was built in. Some of it was obviously unnatural because of the Comey thing. Um, is it enough for him to win? No. 
but it is a game changer in the respect that we were looking at a wipeout we have not seen in, in recent memory. That would have washed away Republican Congress. That would have very much washed away Republican state legislatures that often, um, you know, get washed away in a wave like that. The thing is, a lot of Republicans wouldn't have turned out and, and down the ballot candidates would have gotten hurt. The game changer is Republicans were united. Some of that it was destined to happen. Some of that has to do with the macro factors of this election. I think once people settle down to vote, it's not that the personalities and the baggage don't matter. It's that you start thinking at least in, in part about the fundamentals. But again, that's only enough to get you back your traditional voters. you got to win over every single swing voter. Um, the path is very narrow, even with a normal candidate. You cannot afford to lose any demo. He's clearly lost a number of demos, the white um, white suburban women and uh, college-educated, even some males. There is no way he can make up the ground, even with Hillary losing some of the black vote. That's why you're going to get at least a narrow win for Hillary but Republicans will preserve all the, all the down-the-ballot um, offices. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Don't spoil it. Follow the script. Todd, what do you think? I agree with Daniel. To the extent that a Hail Mary is possible, I think it all depends on the conscience of millennials. Uh, the, the, uh, yes. <laughs> the, 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 they were breaking. They were starting to rally around the Democrats. The latest polling showed that they were breaking that way. But then Comey Gate came out. I wonder if these millennials, if they are truly principled, if they're tired of the system, will walking to that uh, polling place simply decide, I can't do this. I need to be part of something else. But that I, I say that knowing full well that that is a Hail Mary and not just of the 40-yard variety. It's of the 75-yard variety. Aaron? Yeah, I, I, this has been drastic. I, I don't think there's any denying that. Just seven days ago, um, during this hour, I, I poo-pooed all of this um, uh, new developments on the cone. I didn't think it was going to make much of a difference at all. I thought coming out you know, on a Friday and that uh, we've already been through this before. What difference is it going to make? That's made a big difference, as as you can see and as has been um, uh, revealed over the last week. It's not going to be enough to make um, a, a huge difference in the um, you know on, on Tuesday. Uh, enough early voting is already, and I think alone that indicates to me that uh, this is going to be a Democrat victory. It's going to be closer than I thought it ever was, but uh, it's it's not going to change the outcome. Daniel, explain to me how he's going to lose Catholics. He's going to lose the suburbs. He's going to lose college-educated whites for the first time in the history of polling. A Republican has managed that. He might have the worst gender gap of all time, and we might be looking at the largest Hispanic turnout of all time. How does he win? Help me to figure, are there really that many cussing grandmothers that are unaccounted for across the fruited plain, if if that's the electorate? Help me to understand this, Daniel. What you're talking about are the internal demographic numbers in the national polling. The thing is, there are two stories here. There's the national polls that demonstrate at least a clear three to four point win for Hillary. Then there's the state polls. Some of them portend somewhat of a tie ball game for Trump. And then some of them pretend at least as bad as the national polling for Trump, even a worse blowout. Both of all the polls can't be right. You can't be up six points in Nevada, but, you know, tied in Arizona. Right. Can't be tied in Georgia, um, but but running away with it in New Hampshire. I mean, something doesn't make sense. And we saw this last time with a split decision in the polling. 
and and it went it went for the Democrats. Romney underpolled about three percent. I think Romney won all the demographics you're talking about. Yes, still except lost Catholics, nationally. which he lost narrowly, but he won independence by five points nationally. Bloomberg's polling, which is one of the highest rated polls at five thirty eight, came out this week and had Hillary plus three with independence. I didn't even mention that in my question. So you're going to lose Catholics, you're going to lose suburbanites, you're going to lose uh, you're going you're going to lose college educated whites, you're going to lose independence. Where does these, this electorate come from? Yeah, so that's the point. It, it, it doesn't come from anywhere other than Hillary's map has shrunk with the lower black turnout, and Trump has expanded um, the non-college-educated whites. But that is not enough to account for all the groups you just mentioned that he's losing, plus you got to add another 3.8% that Romney didn't do indeed lose by. So there's that buffer. At best case scenario, you want to tell me he outpaces Romney slightly? I could believe that. But to make up all that territory, no way. You guys want to get in on this conversation? I, I, oh, you have I, something else you want to say? Something I posited to you uh, during a break uh, during last night's show. The only hidden vote that I can just imagine and think up and kind of pull out of another region is uh, maybe there's there's this uh, enthusiastic Trump voting uh, Electric uh, or electorate out there uh, that was not voting in 2012. So all these pollsters, as you've said before, Steve, they pull out the most recent voter file. That would be 2012. Uh, these people don't show up there. Uh, maybe that's the hidden vote. But how many of them actually are there? If there, if this is Aaron, you buy any or Todd? Or, I'm sorry, Daniel, do you buy anything? Is, is is what Aaron's saying? Do you think it's plausible at all as a guy with a lot of experience in elections? Absolutely not, because four years ago, we said the same stuff with, with Romney. One of the things we said is, quickly, Obama has no crowds. He has the enthusiasm. The polls showed it. The intensity gap was breaking to, towards Romney in every single poll of the election. We thought if one thing would happen, Romney would overperform the polls. He underperformed by 3%. I can't imagine Trump doing better than that. That's a question. I'm putting the over-under on Hillary Clinton's total in the Electoral College at 300. Are you taking the... Don't give me a number yet. That'll come later. But are you taking the over or the under? Todd? Over. I'm taking the uh, under. Under. It's Daniel. Slightly over. Slightly over. And since I'm the one that sets the line, I don't get to make the pick. All right? So, <laughs> so the answer is... Would you, with the answers that you guys gave. All right. When we come back, a Republican Congress, if they can keep it. Next. Listening to Steve Dace. All right, back here on the Steve Dace Show, powered by Conservative Review here on the Salem Radio Network. This is the Dace Group Roundtable, your weekly look at the week that was. So we took a look at the presidential election, which is just a few days away. Now it's time for Congress. Issue two. A Republican Congress, if they can keep it. Six Senate races are shaping up to come down to the wire. In Indiana, most of the latest polls have Democrat Evan Bayh with a slimming one to four point lead over Todd Young. In Missouri, Democrats Jason Kander and Republican Roy Blunt are taking turns taking the lead. The latest poll with an A-plus rating from 538 is a Monmouth University poll from earlier this week, which had the race tied. The race in New Hampshire is as close as it can get. The last 10 polls of that state has Republican 
Republican Kelly Ayotte ahead of Democrat Maggie Hassan in five polls. Hassan is ahead in four, and there's one tie. In Nevada, Democrat Catherine Cortez Masto and Republican Joe Heck's race is also very close. The last three polls of that state has Heck up by six, Cortez Masto up by seven, and Heck up by one. In North Carolina, Republican Richard Burr has a lead in four of the last ten polls. Democrat Deborah Ross has led in five of the last ten, and there's been one tie. And in Pennsylvania, Democrat Katie McGinty has led in all ten of the latest polls from that state. If Republicans can maintain control of Congress, it'll be by the skin of their teeth. All right, Todd, you got a little short change last segment, so I'm going to you first, so you can take as much time as you want. Is it automatically good for conservatives if the Republicans keep control of Congress, or does it matter who the president is in that equation, I ask you? Well, with the first one, the answer is no. There is no default answer remaining for it just being obvious that if the uh, Republicans win out, that the conservatives stand to benefit. Uh, we don't know who real conservatives are anymore. Most of them, we know, uh, abuse the label. The only reason in the here and now that it might be beneficial is there is the huge issue out there of Obamacare. If this was in a vacuum and they just had to make up an issue up, I would say we're absolutely better off losing it. But with Obamacare and its failure in the offing, there's a huge opportunity there that's ready for the taking. I'm skeptical of them having the ability to do it, but it is there for the taking. As for it doesn't matter who's president, it might. We, we clearly, and we've been saying this for a long time about Donald Trump, we have no idea what any given day of his presidency would be. And there'd be many days that we'd be face palming, and other days where, you know what, yeah, that's not so bad. I can take that. Uh, we, it, Hillary is far more of a known. So it, 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 it would be wrong to say, as far as the presidency concerns, you know for certain there would be no difference. Aaron? I realize that my calls uh, maybe every week on the show for the uh, Republican Party to just uh, kind of burn down my calls for to burn everything that uh, has to do with the GOP down may be a little bit grating. So let me be a little bit more charitable in my take here this week. The Republican Party needs to die, and I think the best way uh, for that to happen is for them to actually retain control of the Senate, because they will not do anything. The grassroots will get more and more frustrated with them, and I think that will hasten their death. Daniel, I know he is speaking your love language, so I'll give you the floor next. Go ahead. Nothing more to say. I mean, I mean that that's exactly what I was going to say. It's good for conservatives if they retain control of the Senate, uh, but for the wrong reason. It's that is the easiest way to start a new party. Everyone will see it nakedly that they're doing nothing despite President Hillary with 10 percent approval rating. The only thing I will say is if you look at this just strategically in terms of blocking bad stuff, you know, in the short run, it is actually worse for them to have the Senate. It is better for them just to have the House because they allow Senate Republicans with Mitch McConnell to undermine the little leverage that once every 10 months the House decides to use. I mean. If you if you just hate Paul Ryan, then you want the scenario that Daniel just articulated. I, I, I can't imagine, Daniel, what his life would be like if he's the last line of defense between the fifth term or the third term of Obama and, and the American people because we saw what it did to John Boehner. And, would, would, I mean, if, if the Senate were gone to Democrats and, and he was it, 
That's a terrible political predicament for him, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. In the last two years, he's been having the time of his life because Mitch McConnell gets all the blame. It's the Senate doing all the stuff. So he doesn't want that. And by the way, exit thing, I just heard from a sitting House member that Paul Ryan is working with Chuck Schumer on immigration um, in case Hillary wins. So there's your answer. <laughs> you got, are, are you with them on this? Oh, I can be easily swayed. I, mean, I, I apologize for any optimism I showed in I mean, my answer. Do, do, do you uh, do you want the logo to now be embers? Is that what you're shards rather than an elephant? Is that is that sort of what you're out for? Or are, are you with them on this, or do you, are you still willing to wait this out a little bit more? Uh, again, only because of Obamacare, but I'm not fighting for that on any level. I just think there's a genuine opportunity there to be had by men with chests. Of course, we know that mostly we have men without chests. So, of course, uh, Daniel and Aaron are almost certainly right. What happens if if there if if indeed there they they were to stop them on anything? How would that how would don't I can't don't. I can't <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I tried. Oh the Did the you notice how I kept having to pause there to, to to say that all with a straight face? Did oh, you notice man. that? It's like the twenty year the, It sounded like if, I didn't like I lost my brain for a second because I was trying to figure out how I was gonna say this see, with a straight face. If that take, did take happen. Look at that Senate roster. Take a look at the roster of guys being elected with their 18% liberty yeah, scores. Yeah. I mean, you would need eighty-five Republicans to get fifty-one votes out I know. of them. Let me tell you who I think is in trouble in this scenario is Ted Cruz, and here's why. The, the, the pressure to, quote-unquote, fix Obamacare the next couple of years, if she wins, will be overwhelming. And, and if it looks as if, and he's out there arguing for a full repeal, well, if he joins a fix, then he betrayed his own message again. He can't, he can't do that again. He won't survive if he does that again. But if he sticks to his message and, and, and there's a shutdown and, they, and, and, and there's gridlock on this issue, Daniel, I absolutely believe voters will hold Republicans accountable for, hey, you could have fixed this. Instead, you chose to play partisan politics with it for political gain. So up your nose with a rubber hose. That's a difficult. We're talking about a difficult predicament for Paul Ryan. That's a difficult predicament for Ted Cruz. You got 30 seconds. Go. I totally disagree with you, Steve. I think good. This- I hope you're right. This is the one issue, and I think this is the only remaining triumph of the Tea Party. We didn't succeed in doing anything, but we imbued in the public consciousness. We pinned the tail on the donkey. Everyone knows where Obamacare came from. We didn't let go of that issue like we usually do after it passed. Everyone knows. I don't think they will get the blame, and certainly not Ted Cruz. I, I just think Republicans won't litigate the case against them, but I think everyone knows where it came from. Exit question. And again, don't give me a total. Just give me an over-under. We'll get to specific predictions later. I am putting the over-under on Republicans in the U.S. Senate after this election at 51. Are you taking the over or the under, Daniel? Not the under. You're taking the under? Not the under. (laughs) Are you taking the over? Well... You can also take a push. Mm-hmm. A push or is, is, over. All right, push or over. Is that your answer when you hate yourself for saying the over, so you just say not the under? <laughs> Todd, go ahead. Uh, over. I'm taking the over. Interesting. All right, we'll come back. What would the first hundred days of either's presidency look like? We'll give a preview into the abyss next.
listening to Steve Dace. Back here on the Dace Group Roundtable, your weekly look at the week that was here on the Steve Dace Show on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. Filling in for Kim this week, Daniel Horowitz, one of our peers at Conservative Review. Let's get to issue three. I'm going to try to actually say that's the first first, uh, uh, first hundred days. While Americans have been concentrating on the election, the world at home and abroad continues to harbor some major issues the next president will step into. At home, Obamacare premiums are skyrocketing, with some people seeing their premiums raised by exorbitant percentages. But despite that rate increase, according to a Pew poll from last week, only 51% of Americans oppose the law, while 46% are still in favor of it. The next president still will have a large swath of people he or she will have to appease when it comes to health care. Then there's the continued conflict in Syria, which has ravaged that country, killed hundreds of thousands of people, and created the refugee crisis. Russian involvement in Syria and various conflicts and hotspots around the world will also need to be addressed. And on top of all of this, if you're Hillary Clinton, you'll personally be dealing with five FBI investigations Investigations regarding your emails and your foundation. And if you're Donald Trump, you'll have at least one case, right or wrong, regarding your sexual deviancy. An election will be won, but right now it doesn't look like the country will be poised to win anytime soon. All right, so first question, and this one, Daniel, will go to you. Now that we're closer to actually having some idea of what this could look like, what do you believe the first hundred days of either a President Trump or President uh, or Madam President would look like? Well, you know, with me, everything's the opposite of what other people think. So I think the first hundred days of a Hillary Clinton president will burn the system down. The first hundred days of a Donald Trump presidency will be very typical of the first hundred days of a Republican presidency, meaning obviously you have to bank in the late night tweeting and all the razzle dazzle and all the other stuff that's going to come out about him. But in terms of the policy, you're going to see everyday stories trickle in about which liberal is brought on into the administration, about which liberal policy is going to pursue. Um, you're, you're not going to see any of this burn the system down. Whereas with Hillary, I think the stuff that is percolating with her, with, with the FBI scandal and so many other scandals, she will be delegitimized from day one if you only had a conservative movement that would be willing to harness it. We could we could totally burn it down. I well, think what, what, but, but Daniel, what we have is a conservative movement who um, got not one but two major story stories wrong this week. Uh, the Hillary's going to be indicted thing that Brett Baer apologized for, and the John Podesta or Hillary Clinton is a Satanist story, which Katie Pavlich at Town Hall had to correct. That's what our movement is, Daniel. They don't, they don't do any of that stuff. We just do uh, clickbait. Uh, clickbait conspiracy scams in order to take advantage of low information cussing grandmothers who think uh, Trump's name means uh, the, the perfect God holy number of seven. That's what our movement is. That's what it does. Aaron, what do you think, Aaron? What do you think? Uh, I oh, I agree with that at all. But uh, yeah, for looking at Hillary uh, Clinton, her first 100 days are going to be just like what we've seen throughout this entire campaign, except uh, more scandals, more cowbell, and 100% of the spotlight on her because Donald Trump's going to be uh, running his network. Now, if it was a uh, Donald 
Donald Trump uh, presidency, then I think it would be I, I would agree with Daniel. It'd be very typical of uh, of a first 100 days of a Republican, uh, you know, can't or a Republican president, um, you know, keep the status quo, the status quo. That seems like what it would um, uh, be like. And I think you would probably get some more stories like what we've seen for the last a month, month and a half about Donald Trump's. Uh, various and sundry um, sexual endeavors in the past uh, and scandals of that nature. But uh, it's going to be, I, I don't think there's going to be anything ground uh, swelling or ground shifting at all in the first 100 days of either of these people. Hillary's going to surround herself in the first 100 days with uh, the kind of personalities that are going to make all of the right people in their movement swoon. They're not going to want to stick their neck out too big on a big plan for a big issue like Obamacare uh, because look how that went with Hillary Claire, uh, many years ago, many years ago. They're going to just want to continue to keep the party going as much as possible. Also, they're not going to want to talk about obviously email gate, whatever comes of it. So those first hundred days are just going to be, try to be an era of good progressive feelings and see what naturally gins up out of that in terms of an issue uh, to move on. As for Donald Trump, I won't even begin to get what a first 100 days could look like. I'm not smart enough. I'm not capable of. I don't believe anybody is. Exit question. Regardless of who wins, are we electing a one-term president? Todd. Yes. Aaron? Yes. Daniel? We're electing less than a one-year president. President Tim Kaine will take over by the end of next year. (laughs) Bob Torricelli, baby. Democrats don't, don't do that to themselves. She will become too much of a liability. Um, I agree that we are, for all intents and purposes, the answer is yes. We are electing a one-term president. If you beat Hillary on Tuesday, they'll just run a cooler, hipper, less white version of Bernie Sanders, and they will crush you four years from now. So I I think it's a one-term president either way. We'll come back. More of the Day Group Roundtable here in a moment. You're listening to Steve Dace. All right, back here on the Dace Group Roundtable, your weekly look at the week that was here on the Steve Dace Show, powered by Conservative Review. Issue four, the end of an election, or is it the beginning of a new era? A story from CNN this week illustrated how fractured and backwards the Republican Party and the former conservative movement is. CNN interviewed Christians in Wisconsin and asked them about Trump's moral character. What do you think of Donald Trump's character? Awesome, beautiful. Donald Trump really has the character of God, a loving, compassionate father. Donald Trump was the man that God chose for a time as this. Are you concerned at all about your candidate's character? Absolutely not, no. I think we've all fallen short of the, you know, of what God uh, expects of all of us, so we've all missed the mark. So he missed the mark a few times. What about those women accused? Accusing him of sexually assaulting them. Not even that makes women voters here question Trump's character. I think those women need to grow with that personally. And that's just the evangelical crowd, the alt-right racist faction represented by Louisiana Senate candidate David Duke is growing in its fervor. Another challenge conservatives face is whether or not to stay in the Republican Party, where despite having a conservative platform for years, Little has been done to advance those platforms. One thing remains certain, however, for conservatives post-election, nothing is. First question to you, Todd. 
how confident are you that the fringes that we have seen, the Alex Joneses, the conspiracists, the nationalism of Bannon, the alt-right fringe of Pepe the Frog and his minions, how confident are you that this is not as widespread as it just has appeared because of social media in this election? Well, it's obviously bigger than any of us thought a year and a half ago. Yeah, because I didn't know what it was. You so it's know, at least something. Right. Yeah. Uh, but and now that we've wrapped our brain around it, I, I, it I, I'm not really worried about this imaginary voter thing out there. I think we have a handle of roughly how large it is. What we don't have a handle on is how sustainable it is, how grassroots it can be. And when we think of grassroots, we think of a movement, something that tries to get something done. There's energy there. There's more than just emotional uh, energy, though. It, it can try, at least to do things, connect the dots in a legible way. Uh, it very much remains to be seen if after this uh, temper tantrum of election, if it has the ability to stain for you know another year, yet alone an entire term. I think um, I, I'm not confident at all that this is any less widespread than it seems. Uh, what I am concerned about, though, is the amount of squishes in this party, and I'm not talking about those that we elected or that we sent to Washington, D.C. Look at all of these freaking people who purport to be evangelical Christians contorting themselves in every which way for a con man. Those are the people that I'm worried about. Those are the same type of people, I believe, who will contort themselves for anything for any reason if it uh, fits their uh, M.O. or fits uh, what they feel like on any given day. Those are the people that I'm scared about. It's not just the evangelicals uh, contorting themselves and bastardizing Scripture for Trump. It, next year, it could be uh, evangelicals contorting themselves and bastardizing Scripture for um, uh, you know racism or to justify any given number of things. Those are the people that I'm uh, Man, most worried about. I wish you were wrong, about. but you're not. What do you think? What do you think, Daniel? The fixed, defined intellectual movement is 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 nothing. It is very small in the general public. The question is how many people can be influenced by it. And you know I've said this before. Most people don't have a fixed philosophy. They go by false choices, whatever is put on the plate. If you have a false choice between a comatose Republican Party and an alt-right movement that on some level speaks to your concerns, you'll have otherwise normal people drift into that and buy into it. It all depends on whether there's a positive counter-movement that rises you know, beyond this election Otherwise, this small movement will have tremendous influence. Where would this positive counter-movement come from? Where would it come from? Not within the Republican Party. That, that, that's the thing, because as long as it's the Republican Party, it will be the alt-right or the Republican Party. And I think a lot of reasonable people, everyone has good and bad in them. They speak to the, to the bad parts of, of a lot of people. But people are desperate. They're going to gravitate. So I think it's got to come from outside the Republican Party. Anybody agree or disagree with that? I do not disagree. I, I think we know what Aaron thinks. I, again, I, I go back to Obamacare. Isn't that just an... Uh, uh, if we get that... If, if that is gotten right by whoever, whenever, isn't that just a huge opportunity to reset things? I mean, the American public is very much done on And like I said, I'm not even saying here what getting it right looks like. But let's say that happens. And something that is over, has overwhelmingly disgusted the American people is now overwhelmingly deemed to be a successful uh, attempt at government to do the right thing, to clean up their act, to make something work. 
doesn't that have as huge an opportunity as anything out there? I mean, I can't think of a single other thing. Daniel, what do you think? Uh, Todd, it is a lifetime opportunity. I wrote a post on it. I think this is a seminal moment. We could crush socialism. People get it. You're right. The problem is the official policy of the Chamber of Commerce as of three years ago, fix, do not repeal Obamacare. That is where Republicans will stay. Well, I mean, we, we saw this. Um, we, we saw this in our own state. I mean, there was no real... We, we live in the health insurance capital of the world here in Iowa. We didn't see huge, massive, um, a huge, massive um, opposition to Obamacare, the likes of which we saw a quarter century ago to Hillary Care. And because we think that all the insurance companies are like, hey, this is a guaranteed clientele, you know? So, you know, what do we care for? So, I mean, that, that's, how that, that, that's how the environment has, has evolved. Aaron? I, I would I would agree with that uh, as well. And uh, when we're looking at this uh, election and what it has done, the, we we have no choice but to try to forge uh, something new and something different. We it's it's obvious at this time. I'm saying this as as 23 years old. I don't have nearly as much uh, experience and uh, disappointment as anyone else on this uh, show right now uh, with the Republican Party. From my perspective, even there's we have no choice but to move in a different direction and create something new. That that's just me, though. Todd, you get the last word for the exit question. Well, the Chamber of Commerce, like everybody else, should have been learning its lesson by now. I mean, this is suicidal if it has continued to hold to that, uh, knowing what we know, uh, knowing what we continue to see with uh, the the exchanges falling apart. So, uh, Daniel, I know how informed you are on all this stuff, but this is the last straw for me. If I've been the one most hesitant to burn it all down, if they can't take this gift and run with it, a pox on all their houses. On a scale of 1 to 10, exit question, 1 being abandoned hope, all you who enter, 10 being Pax Romana. How much hope is there for conservatives in the Republican Party? Todd? 2. 1. Daniel? Negative 500. What do you say? Negative, Negative 500. 500, yeah. The answer is maybe at best a 3. You're listening to Steve Dace. All right, back here one final time this hour on the Dace Group Roundtable, your weekly look at the week that was, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. So we've spent most of this hour taking a look back. It is now time to take a look ahead. And we will go on the record, each of us here, gazing into our crystal ball for the 2016 election. So forced prediction, gentlemen, Todd, you will begin who wins the presidency? Give me your popular vote and electoral college vote. And what are the final numbers in the U.S. Senate? Hillary Clinton is going to win it. I think she's going to win it with uh, 49% of the vote. She's going to have roughly 340 in the electoral college. And the Senate will, Republicans will have 53. 53? That's an optimistic Senate count. Daniel for the Republicans. Daniel, what say you? I think Hillary wins by a three-point national margin. Um, Electoral College, 308 to 230. It's a close one, but I'm giving Trump North Carolina, not Florida, but it's possible he gets Florida, but keep it at 230. Um, Senate, Republicans wind up with 52. Mark Kirk goes down, and one of two, one of Toomey or Johnson, but not both, will go down. Republicans lose about eight to ten seats in the House. Aaron? I'm going to start with my... um 
popular vote. Uh, I've got uh, Clinton 46, Trump 44, Johnson 3, Stein 2, and other 5. And then I have the Electoral College, Clinton um, 290 to Trump 248. And then the Republicans retain control of the Senate 51 to 49. My official prediction, popular vote Hillary Clinton 48, Donald Trump 44, Gary Johnson gets 4, Jill Stein 2, other 2. In the Electoral College, I believe Hillary Clinton will win 321 to 217. And I think we're going to see a 50-50 Senate. That's what I think we're going to see. If that were to go down, a 50-50 Senate, what's life like in that chamber, Daniel? Absolutely meaningless. Doesn't change a lick. I see. I knew he was going to say that. That's why I asked. No, it really doesn't. I mean, deadlock from what? 51 rhinos or 52 rhinos what does that do i mean not all rhinos but 30 rhinos i'm just telling you look at their cr liberty scores they're not just f's they're f minus minus so you're the pro you're the pro here of the of the three of us which one of us is most likely to be wrong in your view oh boy i mean Um, obviously you believe in your own predictions because you made them but of the of the other three of us on this panel which one of us is the most likely to be wrong about either our president or senate predictions um whoever said the 247 was that was that todd i said it was aaron i said 248 for trump 248 Mm -hmm. yeah i don't see how he gets a 248 now um i I guess you're giving him florida but yeah i don't see i am giving him florida actually yeah so which one of the Aaron? I'll, I'll give you a chance mm-hmm. then, since he called you out. Of the other three on the panel this after or this evening, which one of us do you oh think my. is the most likely to be wrong? Uh, can I say myself again? Because I've I've only gotten one prediction right in this segment in my life in the whole year that we've been doing this. <laughs> yes, and it just came true this week. All right, that will do it for the Dace Group Roundtable. One more hour of the program to go. Stay tuned; it's on its way. Listening to Steve Dace. You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Government should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And we're back with hour number three of the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. We'll get to some of the feedback that you've sent to us coming up a little bit later on in this hour. But first, it's time for three questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. That time of the night when our producer, Aaron, he gets control of the microphone for at least the next 10 minutes or so. He gets to ask us any three questions about any three things. There is no topic off limits. 
but he has to answer the same questions himself. And uh, Daniel decided to stick around here from the Days Group Roundtable and take a stab at three questions as well. So he is still with us. So, Aaron, you may fire when ready. Thank you, Steve. If you want to have your question answered on three questions, you can email it to me, Aaron, at stevedace.com, and I will consider it. This first question comes from Hannah Doucette. She asks, what do you believe our founding fathers' advice would be for those of us still trying to preserve the Constitution if they were alive based on their writings? The snarky part of me wants to say we would have already been firing by now, but that, but that yes. that will that'll end up on a Think Progress, um, you know, fundraising or Media Matters said uh, f- fundraising alert uh, l- tomorrow morning if mm-hmm. I go there. So, um, how about what the hell? <laughs> Come on, man! What the hell? This is what you did with it. I'm going with that answer, Daniel. You're up. How am I supposed to answer a question when they come and see, for example, a federal judge say that a boy with a penis must be treated like, quote, the girl she is, or having the Pentagon study sex change operations in the middle of a war? I I mean, they would have said, you guys should have – forget about picking up the weapons. I don't want anyone to – whatever. But they would have said years ago, states should have just said, no, we are not doing this. Todd? They said uh, King George was uh, Mother Teresa compared to you guys in her grace and sensibilities. Uh, you don't deserve this anymore, uh, and you deserve to have somebody take it away from you just as forcefully as we fought to give it to you in the first place. Yeah, I think they would say something like, where the heck are we? Uh, because, they, they, I mean, they would not recognize. I mean, if if, if this was the type of behavior even... Um, taken back technology and and advancements if this was the type of behavior that happened when they were around they they wouldn't recognize the the country that they were in uh so it's it's depressing and it's a little moot um question two what's one time or situation in your life when you had the opportunity to do something really cool or amazing or something that you wanted to do but somebody beat you to the punch Oh, boy, something that I want to do, but somebody beat me to the punch. If you need time, I have an example. Yeah, you give me an example. Well, I've, I have I played baseball one summer, uh, my eighth grade year. We learned a very valuable lesson at one point um, in a game. Uh, I was doing okay. This We played a couple of games. I was doing okay, and this was the first time I'd ever played you know baseball in my life this summer. And um, the coach, uh, I was out of the game. Uh, the coach asked, uh, asked me, and uh, he said, hey, do you think you could go make that catch that this other guy just dropped? And you know what I said? Maybe. He put another guy in instead of me. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, I have, uh, I have learned my lesson. Always, when you have an opportunity that's good, it's better to fail miserably than to uh, never try at all. See, I would say I, I'm an initiative taker. Mm-hmm by nature um but i had to learn that and i learned it the hard way there was a girl i liked in high school it was clear she liked me um i was kind of nervous to take initiative ended up dating one of my best friends in high school all throughout high school and well into into college so i that was my one that's where i vowed if from from this time forward, when I fail, it's going to be because I tried and I wasn't good enough, Todd. Mm-hmm. Not because I sat on the sidelines. 
I'm going to re- reverse engineer this thing a little bit because I'm like you, Steve. My problem isn't taking initiative or going for it. Um, when you're a person like that, you have to learn when not to go for it and sometimes right. sit there and just listen to the still small voice. So when my errors have come over the years, it's just because I went in there a little too hard on something that I should have just stepped back on and observed a little while longer. Daniel? What do you think, Daniel? All right, since no one gave a political example, I'll uh, bring it back to politics. Uh, What is it? Almost uh, three years ago now, when Dave Bratt was challenging Eric Kaner, I was so jaded by then with supporting so many guys that would just get 30%. We'd be embarrassed and make a big deal about it. Hey, we're going to knock off an incumbent and lose. So I blew him off for too long and didn't take him seriously. He asked me to help him. And other people really deserve the credit. They got in way before me, and I didn't take it seriously until two weeks before. So, uh, you know, that, that taught me that, you know what? Who cares what other people think? You stand for what's right. I don't care if the guy gets 20%, 30%. If he stands for the right things, he doesn't embarrass you in terms of a person or ideology. Support him anyway. Question three. I love this question, and it's a two-parter. Uh, I think it's really. I think the first part is really easy to answer, uh, but I love it anyway. Tyler Campbell asks... If Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, Bernie Sanders, and Reince Priebus were given paintball equipment and dropped into the woods for a free-for-all match, who would win? And then the second question is, out of all four of us here, if we had the same situation, who would win that match? I think Hillary Clinton would win. No. Uh, extremely cunning. And an expert at, um, at knowing when to ride the coattails of the men around her and when to jump off. Um, uh, so I, I think I think that I think she would win. I think that she would uh, bait Trump all the way out into the wide open with the way that Kirk baited Khan into the Matara Nebula at the end of Star Trek Two. So I, I would go with Hillary winning that, and um, I think I think a paintball match between those that are involved in this conversation right now would be very compelling. Uh, various various uh, you know various strengths and weaknesses. Um, I don't know that there would be a defined answer. I, I don't. I don't know. I think it would be. I think it'd be. I. Th- I think have it would be very compelling. Paint, have you ever shot a paintball gun before? I have years ago. It's been a yeah, long time. I, I have never in my life. Surprising. Oh. What do you think, Daniel? I, I don't have much to add. No. No way. It's. It's. It's anybody but Clinton. It's definitely Hillary Clinton. She's the only one with a set. I mean, among among the four there, um, you either have beta males or pretend alpha males. And in the case of Trump's the only guy who would have a chance. Um, I mean, the other guys, <laughs> I don't think they know how to shoot it uh, with Trump. He's so sure of himself. Um, and like you said, Hillary is so much more cunning. Um, she'd take him down. Yeah, she just bait him like she did in all the debates. She just bait yep. him right out into the open. What do you think, Todd? I'd really like to see what pent-up Bernie Sanders' rage looks like. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be yes. some of that just waiting to get out. That's spitballs. Well, <laughs> well, we do know, as a socialist, he follows in a long line of individuals who are good at pointing guns at people. Oh. Yeah, you just got to get this particular socialist to turn that corner. Yes. That's all. Yes. See, I think all of you have this completely wrong as it c- pertains to the, the first four people. Um, I think it would be a, a complete draw because Bernie Sanders, for one, he would redistribute all of his ammo to people who aren't even in the game or deserve to have that ammo. Hillary Clinton would probably de- delete all of 
for paintballs. Donald Trump would throw his weapon on the ground, blame the Chinese for making it so terrible, and then spend the rest of his time complaining about how the game is rigged. And Reince Priebus, well, he he doesn't know how to shoot the ammo in his weapon anyway, so he probably wouldn't do anything. Now, I thought you were going to tell me Reince Priebus was going to win because dude would just hide under a rock the whole time, <laughs> or waiting that. for everybody else to just take each other out and then come out, hey, I won again! <laughs> yeah. Nobody well, wants this job! That. Uh, and then uh, as far as the four of us, yeah, I think that would be compelling as well. Uh, like, I said, Have you ever shot a, a paintball gun? Yes. Oh, it's a have? lot of fun. Yeah, see, I'm going to say I, me because remember, the dude code demands that I say me. I, I, I'm, I, if I remember right, it stings like the dickens when you get hit with that, if I remember correctly. Right. It does um, not tickle. Right. I mean, I, I'm, I'm really good at... Um, really good at, at, at shooting regular guns. I'm a pretty good shot, uh, but I, like I said, I've never never shot a uh, paintball gun. So we just burned four minutes talking about fictional paintball ma- matches. And I'm, I, for one, think we need to do this more often. So what do you think of this segment, Daniel? This is your first time you've ever appeared on it. Did you like it? Oh, my gosh. I, I need some comic relief at the end of the week. My blood pressure's through the roof. I'm telling you, this is great. That's exactly why we do this in the third hour, because we've already we, we have exhausted our angst in the first two hours, and we need a bit of a break as well. Thank you, brother. We appreciate it. We'll do it with you next week, all right, after the election. Take care. We'll come back and get caught up on some of the headlines we missed from earlier in the evening next. Listening to Steve Dace. Liberty's bat signal, the Steve Day Show. How for something completely different? We need to have a talk about an excursus on natural theology. I prefer metaphysics to theology. You see, there's no guilt in baseball. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Can we talk about something else? Certain aspects of his culture may seem absurd, perhaps even offensive. We have cut the culture crap and get to the hotel. We gotta get some buzz going. And this is the nightly buzz. When we go back and take a look at the headlines we didn't have time to get to earlier in the week. Or I should say earlier in the show, but with this election, one show seems like a week. I have aged in dog years since May the 3rd, especially. So Aaron has those headlines after being that creepy dude lurking over your or leering over your shoulder on your social media or that... That kind of, you know... It's my spiritual uh, gift. Leaker, or, or that uh, lurking dude that mm-hmm. just standing around the water cooler pretending not to listen when you know that he is while you're talking to your buddy, right? Mm-hmm. He's got those headlines. we got the hot takes. Thank you, Steve. Uh, first story, Al-Qaeda may be attempting to attack the United States on Monday, the day before the presidential election, according to a report. CBS News reports that U.S. intelligence has alerted joint terrorism task forces that Al-Qaeda could be planning attacks in three states on Monday. The report has not been independently confirmed. New York, Texas, and Virginia are all possible targets, though no specific locations are named. A senior FBI official told CBS, quote, that counterterrorism and homeland security communities remain vigilant and well-postured to defend against attacks here in the United States. The FBI, working with our federal, state, and local counterparts or community partners, are working with community partners to identify and disrupt any potential threat to public safety. Officials were alerted about out of an abundance of caution, according to CBS. This is... 
and this is this is the new normal that we have now and I'm simply going to say Todd let, let's pray that this doesn't happen so I can resist the temptation to discuss with the political fallout of something like this happening this close to the election would be because that seems to be the only thing we talk about with anything anymore mm-hmm. well these terrorists haven't thought it through I mean we're so darn sure that we're terrorizing ourselves with this election they just they need to just pop some corn stand back watch us we got this we're doing it to ourselves yeah there's really no reason to blow yourself up when your opponent is self-immolating right they're lighting themselves on fire why are you strapping bombs to your chest Next story, uh, Daryl Sterner held on through the dramatic ending of Game 7 of the World Series because he had waited decades for the Chicago Cubs to win the World Series. On Wednesday night during Game 7, his family surrounded him as he was sitting in his hospital bed, whispering the score in his ear. Three hours later after the game, he died. Sterner, 85 years old of West Liberty, Iowa, was a well-known barber in that town running his shop for 61 years. A Cubs banner hung on the wall, and many ball games of near misses and stubborn hopes were analyzed between the snaps of his shears. You've heard, and I've, I've heard and seen so many stories like this come out since the World Series was over. Sports athletics can be truly awesome sometimes you know we saw a lot of these stories about a decade ago when the red sox finally Mm -hmm. broke through in 2004 i think it was and um i have no issue at all with this stuff uh provided that because if you live and die with your team as long as though it's it's you know you and and the fact that your family and stuff was around as long Mm -hmm. as your priorities and stuff like that are in order you know what, man? I don't have a problem with that at all. God bless you, and I'm glad that uh, something that you that gave you a lot of joy in your life that you probably shared with your family many times over the years and used as an, as an excuse to uh, to connect with one another. You know, I'm glad that in the end, you know, you got one last opportunity to do that. Well, after some of the Bulls championships, weren't the parts of the town just lit on fire? Do I remember that correctly, Steve? Mm-hmm. Well, here, this does seem to be genuinely different. I mean, I think I'm a Brewers fan. 1982, when I was 10 years old, was the last time we were in the World Series. And that seems like another lifetime. To hear these stories of these 70, 80-year-old people who Mm -hmm. they're baseball fans and they never got to see their team touch, it starts to feel like it is genuinely impossible and that they just witnessed a miracle and as you say steve if your priorities are in line right this kind of story actually gets better than when you're just idol worshiping it is it is a sign of a god that sprinkles life with unimaginable joy in every corner of the world if only we truly appreciate the best in one another well said todd uh this is from red state eastern michigan university is taking a page out of the Oregon Ducks playbook, not literally, their uniform playbook. They have unveiled election-themed helmets for their Tuesday night game against Ball State. <laughs> no. Taking a step backwards. No. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Uh, no. Uh, it's, it's, it's bad branding. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if I'm watching that on election night, it means what, it means what don't I want to watch. The election. The election, right. So if it's a little bit like why Lifetime shouldn't do a bunch of movies 
uh, about uh, you know gals and their and their star athlete boyfriends and husbands. No. If I'm watching the Lifetime Channel on Super Bowl Sunday, what does it mean I'm trying to get away from? Sports, right? So if I'm if I'm watching college football maction on a Tuesday night, when the election is going on, it means I am trying to avoid the election. So I, the branding there, that is not the branding you're looking for. Maction, did you just make that up, or is that a real? No, that's, that's kind of like a, a real, you know, slang term in the sports media. And they're not even doing it right, isn't it? Like with like some red, white, and blue, or something like that. I mean, this the, if you did it, it would be like with Trump and Hillary with I'm their hands of, around I'm each thinking other's of black throats. armbands. <laughs> like if you're offering a moment of silence, uh, you know, before the game. Now that might be, I might be involved in that. All right, so if there's moments of silence, if there's armbands, if it's a solemn occasion. That if one of these people will be president for the next four years, then I then I think that's okay. But uh, no, this is not a time to be yeah, uh, commiserating and, uh, and celebrating Americana. I'm looking at them at the at the helmets right now. They're very bland, red, white, and blue with the big word "vote," which by the time most of the, by the time this gets on, most people won't be able to vote anymore. Anyway, uh, there's a bunch of words on the stripe of the helmet: Lincoln. Harrison, oh, it's all the presidents. It's all the presidents are written on the on the helmet. So, isn't that just special? Next story: Media reports uh, a federal or various media is reporting a federal jury has found Rolling Stone magazine, its publisher and reporter, defamed a University of Virginia administrator in a discredited story about gang rape at a fraternity house. Word of the jury decision came this afternoon in, uh, as I said, multiple. News outlets, University of Virginia Administrator Nicole Aramo claimed the 24, uh, 2014 article portrayed her as a villain who discouraged the woman identified only as Jackie from reporting the incident to police. So essentially, all these people are liars. Yes. And, except for that administrator. And the report actually did and said that it did it, quote, with malice, which I wish was an exception, but it's more of a rule than you think it is. Your feedback when we return. You're listening to Steve Dace. You cannot stop him. You can only hope to contain him. This is Steve Dace. All right, let's get to the feedback that you've been sending to us, at least as much of it as we have time to. And again, the SteveDace.com inbox, you can access it via Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Matt's... Deluge, I think that's how it's pronounced, uh, writes, I previously considered you somewhat of a pop culture guru, Dace, until the other night. You referenced the Steve Martin movie All of Me with your Sol Beckenbord, but credited the reference to his earlier film The Man with Two Brains instead. That kind of pretending might be enough to impress Mrs. Dace. But if you're going to bring that kind of pop culture ignorance to your next Comic-Con, then please leave your nerd badge at the door P.S. Love the show. Ouch. Matt is right to call me out for that. I am ashamed. I am ashamed. Matt, thank you very much. I deserved every last bit of that rebuke. 
for sure. You guys, you guys don't even know what I'm talking about. No. On either, oh. in in either case, you don't know what I'm talking about. I know. I don't know enough to have corrected you at the time, but I know enough to have appreciated the reference. It was it was good nonetheless, another, even in error. Another Matt writes: If the Democrats nominated Sauron and the Republicans nominated Voldemort, the same people who are advocating it for us to vote for Trump would be in his corner as well. I can just hear the lesser of two evils justifications. Voldemort used to be human. He understands the sanctity of life and will appoint pro-life justices. Aaron, I read that for you because you are the show's official Harry Potter slappy. That is correct. And that is, I mean, I have not heard uh, an email uh, like that. For quite some time, and you know that's actually that's actually true. You know Come that that would happen. Those are just things that cucks say. <laughs> that's a great title for enough for a book. <laughs> things things that, cucks that cucks say. Dispatches from Cuckistan. Two thousand seventeen isn't going to be so bad after all. Mere Christianity. Dispatches from Kukistan. Yes, in fact, we should do a segment on the show. <laughs> yes, get some like masterpiece theater music. Yes, and, and like get a voice guy with like a really you know prim and proper British accent. My dearest, D- dispatches from Kukistan. <laughs> right, and it's just and and we just riff off of that. What do you guys think? We could have fun with that. That we, would be fun. We've been talking about how we have to communicate differently in the new paradigm. I, I think we're onto something. Brian writes, what's your constitutional views on passing an amendment that sets term links for federal judges where they need to be reevaluated to ensure that they are being constitutional in their roles and confirmed by the people they represent? Now, I don't know what you gentlemen think, but in general, I am okay with passing any constitutional limitation on judges up to millstones around their neck and dropping them in the vast, deep recesses of the open sea. That would be my boundary. Todd, where do you draw the line? What could I say to get you to reconsider that? (laughs) (laughs) I think I just answered your Um, question. um, uh, You heard heard a faint sound of a trumpet in in the background, and he looked up and our salvation was nigh, so it's no longer, (laughs) this argument is moot, we don't have to have it anymore. But anyway, finish your point. What would it take? Uh, I, I'm, I'm on board with that. I, I, I think the painfully obvious tool we've been given to throw them out of office just is not enough. The, the Founding Fathers clearly thought that, and, and they were reflecting on what they had to do, that no one would ever give up what they fought so hard for. And they were wrong. We give it away so easily. We could be impeaching these people. And... and and God bless. We saw the the equivalent of a political miracle, Steve, here in Iowa when we kicked three judges out of office. I still yes, can't. Yes, be- we did. I mm-hmm. can't believe that even happened. It's the only time it's ever happened in American history, and I was proud to be a part of that effort. And I thought at that time, I thought fi- this finally, we 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 have reached the point where we are just not going to take it anymore. And then the next time came around. And we had the same very people started making excuses. Well, you know, there was what? Just the next year, was it two years later, we had an opportunity to kick a guy who was every bit as bad as those guys. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Wiggins. Forget now I'm getting into the weeds. But, but uh, nope, we decided not to. Because, well, well, you know, we made our point. No, you didn't. No, you didn't, obviously. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that as well. And when I, when I hear questions like this, I always um, have to take this back and look at it pr- from the perspective that these justices, judges, Supreme Court justices, they are appointed by our employees, which makes them what? 
They make them uh, technically our employees, too. So decide what, what you would do if you were if it was just a one-to-one uh, boss-to-employee relationship there. And decide. That's why I'm thinking Millstone, <laughs> Neck, Open Sea. Well, it's been and nice. And then let's just see what happens. It's been nice working with you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back. More of your feedback. Still time to get yours in. Steve at SteveDace.com, D-E-A-C-E. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Like us on Facebook. More in a moment. Listening to Steve Dace. For critical thinkers only, the Steve Day Show. All right, more feedback Friday here on the Steve Day Show on the Salem Radio Network as we're winding down the home stretch here. Powered by Conservative Review. This is from Tori, who says, I look back knowing that my husband and I did everything we could in 2016 to attempt to elect a principled conservative constitutionalist, so we have no personal regrets looking back. But on May 3rd, we left the GOP and immediately went back to being independents. We're putting money and effort into reaching others with the truth, love, and life-giving message of Jesus Christ instead. And we're seeing lives being turned over to him. We continue to pray for your show and you guys' as families. Um, and please, please stay rooted in the faith. We are living in the times of Jude 1, it seems. And... I think regardless of what happens on Tuesday, guys, there's going to be more people like Tory. And I think this this presents, I think, a political challenge for people like a Ted Cruz or someone uh, or others that want to follow in his footsteps in the future. Because they're already going to deal with, you know, the um, the lukewarm, you know, uh, you know, Reince Priebus autopsy crowd. They don't fit in there. They're, you know, they're not going to fit in with the Trumpism, you know, alt-right movement. And then in the middle, there's a lot of people who are constitutional conservatives or or, or constitutionally minded libertarians in some degree or another. And I think the challenge for guys like Ted Cruz is he's going to have to convince people like Tory that, that they can still make a difference devoting their time and energy into this arena. Where I think there's going to be more and more people that are going to that are going to be tempted with, if we if if the, if if there's no hope of victory here or or no hope in taking part in something that doesn't cause me to to compromise fundamentally what I claim to be standing for, then then I'll just serve in an arena where I'm not faced with those sorts of choices. I'm not saying it's right, it's wrong. I'm not taking a side one way or the other. I've been tempted with the same dilemmas myself. I'm just saying that this I think is is an underrated story going forward. I think I'm, you agree or disagree, Todd? I agree, but it's not a problem. It's you're defining true Christian freedom. Be not afraid. Just be faithful. Let outcomes uh, be for God. Because what we've been doing up to this point, even when we were earnest, even when we weren't wrong within what we believed what we thought were the facts of the time but clearly weren't as we've already talked on this show you know the degree to which there was this alt-right out there things of that nature uh just step back and be faithful christians 
and make sure your cupboards are clean of idol worship. That's a good enough start. I would agree as well. Uh, it, it is a problem, just just as you said, Todd, not for us. Because we, we are the ones who have it. It's, it's a problem for guys like Ted Cruz, who are actually trying to work within the system to, to try to convince those of us who are facing the dilemma that uh, was just laid out in that email. It's a problem for them, definitely. Um, but as you said, Todd, that's so true. It, it is true Christian freedom. We get to decide, um, for, for the most part, um, how we want to serve the Lord's with the ter- the Lord with the talents that He's given us, and uh, we still have the freedom to make some fairly broad choices in this country with those. More feedback, and this is from Steve, not me. Uh, I read something from Ben Shapiro recently calling for unity by conservatives, establishment, and and even some Trump supporters after Trump loses the election. I see some merit in this analysis, but I'm at a point where I would rather be part of a remnant of a remnant, as long as the remnant is right, just and correct on issues. We need to show people through the actions of this remnant that we believe in the things that made America what she is, a kind, compassionate, powerful, innovative country. Maybe that's a pipe dream, but I'm ready to go there. If it is a worthy party, people will naturally fall in line with us. Well, you may agree or disagree with Steve. Frankly, on any given day, I may have a different. I may have. I may agree or disagree with Steve myself, depending on what mood. Tonight, tonight, I'm in a mood to agree with Steve. All right. <laughs> if you ask me this question in a couple of days, I might not. Be, I might not be. But the argue, you cannot dismiss what Steve is saying, because this was the same argument that a group of people who got together one day in Jackson, Michigan, to hold their first convention, this was the argument that they made. And in the charter to their new political party, they they wrote that their party existed to fight what they described as the, quote, twin barbarisms, unquote, of slavery and um, polygamy. And you know what they called themselves? In other words... Their two, the, tw- the two barbarisms they were fighting against was a lack, uh, they were up against the sanctity of life and the defense of the family and the institution of marriage. You know what this party called themselves? Is its mascot an elephant? Yeah, they called themselves the Republican Party. And the people who formed that party had the exact thought Steve had. We can't exist within the Whigs or the Democratic-Republican stratosphere anymore. These are flawed choices. The slavery issue either gets advanced or ignored altogether. We, we, just, we cannot expect God to keep this nation free when we allow such man's inhumanity to man to run rampant through the countryside. And so if that means we've got to form our own remnant party in order to address it, that's what we'll do. And they did. And in Jackson, Michigan, with the very argument that Steve just presented in this email, gentlemen, the Republican Party was born. I, I love that, and I, I would love to see a party uh, come together of just a, a one-issue party, maybe, or maybe a two-issue party like that. I'd, I'd love to see that come together again. My fear is right now, and it really shouldn't be a fear because, you know, I, I'm kind of like Steve, uh, the, the, the listener who is just, you know, I'd rather be a remnant of a remnant as long as I'm right. Um, but everything's so fractured right now. Uh, pulling together any um, the various factions that have had falling outs through this uh, election in this year, 
It's going to be really hard to do, but I'm, I mean, I'm all for a party that's just maybe two issues, about two issues. Unity for unity's sake is idolatry. There's, there's just no point. If you're a minority of one and you have truth on your side, mm-hmm. you're on the right side. Hmm. That is well said. We'll come back and wrap things up tonight here in a moment. Try this microphone from his cold, dead fingers. This is Steve Dace. All right, back to wrap it up here on the Steve Dace Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. We only have one more show, gentlemen, before this wretched election comes to an end. So what did you learn here tonight on the program? What did you learn sitting here for the last three hours? Todd. I learned that there is some incredibly sarcastic yet holy talent out there that may just be our salvation. It it Those little nuggets that you find, uh, forgive me, uh, if her name, she wrote the piece that you uh, read to Mary us. Mary Beth Glenn. Out. Yes. Uh, that level of uh winsomeness to survive through all of this it's what it's what we're going to need to be able to tell truth in a multiple of ways that hit people where they live it's you're preaching without being preachy it's just gold so i'm thankful for that and i hope i have enough of that in myself in the next year well we just passed uh, reformation day on monday todd and um you know, Martin Luther uh, was was. I call it heretic. Day. Heretic day. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. I, 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 the words came out of my mouth, and my brain was saying no, <laughs> no. But I was just uh, using the the case of uh, Martin Luther as he was a man who was, uh, you know, just uh, for the most part completely uh, running antithetical to the common knowledge of that day, and he had some bite. He used biting language uh, sometimes to make his case. So that's that's all I was saying. Uh, I learned tonight. That no, that's not how we roll around here. You throw back in his face, hey, without that heretic, ain't none of your happy rear ends yeah. sitting in these seats hey. here in this place called America right about now. Hey, Tom, I like them apples. Without that heretic, ain't none of us sitting in these uh, seats right here in the United States of America. Is that okay? Yeah, how you like them apples? How that's do, that's how what you, you like, come back with. How do you like them apples, Todd? <laughs> Finish your point, Aaron. I'm sorry. What did you learn? Uh, I learned. Other than how to how to how to ver- repeat me verbatim. How, what did you learn? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I learned that uh, there are a lot of people uh, from this uh, last feedback segment. There are going to be a lot of people um, that are going to have to make what might seem like a tough choice regarding whether or not to spend more time uh, at church or with uh, church, uh, you know, strictly evangelistic efforts in between spending it in politic or activism efforts. And that's not really, I don't think, a choice. I think Tom or Todd kind of echoed this a little bit uh, a couple of segments ago, 
we basically have one choice, and that is to be faithful or not to be faithful. There are some of us who have um, bigger platforms. There are some of us with a microphone. There are some of us with good writing skills sitting on Facebook that, you know, maybe you can actually do stuff with just writing status. All that is to say, God's given us different tools and different talents and different platforms, and our choice is whether or not to be faithful with those, whether or not it's in church or in politics. It's almost over. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday, John 317. You're listening to Steve Dace.